Welcome to Running It Back, the lessons learned from sports podcast. We're living in interesting times. We're going to talk about what happened back in 1972. 37 words in Title IX, Title IX, I also like to call it. Tarlin, welcome back to the show. We will get to the important topic. This is a day after a landmark decision by the Supreme Court around Roe v. Wade. We're a little, little more rattled than normal, but I do want to talk about one thing that is near and dear to a lot of us right now, which is travel. Part of it is travel is back. And even though we are, are we still beat before COVID, in COVID, post-COVID, we're in some sort of COVID haze. Travel is back. The airlines aren't running the same number of routes. We know that the number of pilots has diminished significantly, and we don't have the same crew on planes. In the last eight days, I have flown four segments. Thursday of last week. I took a trip from LA to Boston. I had an opportunity to go to the US Open, amazing golf event. And on that morning, it was 12 hours from Los Angeles to Boston. Right. Now, the morning two hour delay, some, and the rumor mill was running amongst the fast friends that we became the passengers, was that a stewardess showed up with alcohol on her breath and was dismissed and we waited for a replacement. Mm -hmm. I became fast friends with the replacement stewardess and might have, might have gotten a free cocktail on the plane. Nice. I like, I like chatting people up. Let's stick, stick to that free. If it's free, it's for me. Then when we land in Boston, Delta had canceled five flights. So we landed and sat on the tarmac for two hours. I do hear Delta gets you there. Delta did get me there. <laughs> two hours. And then it was another 45 minutes in baggage and normally on check, but I actually brought my golf clubs in baggage. So when I get, I'm a little frustrated because I missed the first quarter of the Golden State Celtics game, do get there in time to see, see the rest of the game. And during the game, received 10,000 bonus points for the delay. And the 10,000 miles cannot buy my inconvenience, but just want to know that Delta cares. Not only does Delta get me there, Delta cares. Delta gets you there occasionally with a free cocktail and with some bonus points if there are delays. So net positive for Delta. I hear so, you. What's the tally? 10,000. Then Saturday, freezing at the open. By the way, Boston in June is like Boston in October. It was crazy cold. Third round is ended. I'm leaving with my buddy and my flight gets canceled. Yeah. I'm leaving at 7 a.m. to get home in time to spend time with the family for Father's Day. Mm -hmm. day for me. Mm-hmm. And now leaving at 3.30, so I miss all of Father's Day. So then I scramble for two hours, find a new flight on American, then have to get on Delta, convince them to reimburse me for that back leg, so I'm going to get a refund. But while that's happening, I've already just received, I haven't looked at the email, 7,500 points because of the cancellation. Nice. So Delta, this is not because I complained. I don't complain. It's because they felt wrong and they were trying to make good. So that, yep. what's the tally now? I believe that's 17,500. Correct. All right, great. I land. So just imagine Thursday to Boston, come back to Sunday, spend time with the family. Monday, Juneteenth, I might've played 36 holes with some buddies. That was a good time. Monday, Juneteenth observed on observed. the 20th. Yes. 
we're observing Juneteenth, a great celebration on CNN and other channels on Father's Day. So that was a fun moment. And then fly out Tuesday to go to New York. So crisscrossing again, the country. Delta flight. I like Delta. I like the seat backs, more comfortable chairs. I did give my executive assistant a little crap because not only was it an exit row, which is great, but the exit row has the pullout arm, the pullout tray, which is then the smallest tray you have. And I was right next to the bathroom, the middle bathroom setup. Oh yeah. yeah. But anyways, long flight, no power in the seats, uh, Wi-Fi out. And I've needed that five hours to do some things. Yeah. So at the end, I'm standing up. The stewardess asked me, how was your flight? I go, yeah, not that great. You know, I lost power. It's five hours of work I need to do. And I'm going to be landing and driving into a meeting that I need to present. And I needed to see that my slides for the last minute. So we'll see what happens. And then she looks at me and he goes, I'm going to give you 15,000 miles. <laughs> so travel. I'm now banked 32,500 miles for what is going to continue to be miserable travel experience. Right. We are down pilots. We are down crew members. I talked to Mida on my last leg back home yesterday, talked to the crew and know that they're on hourly wages and they're not very happy. So just be patient. Mm. I don't know if complaining wins, but I just know sitting with positive energy and going with the flow netted me 32,500 points. And I am now a gold medallion member of Delta. Congratulations, man. Thank you. We can end the pod now. Yeah. Well, I do feel like I'm going to take your advice for this episode. So I, despite whatever turbulence I might face, despite whatever crew failures might happen, whatever exigencies of the moment may occur, Exigencies. God, I'm going to roll with it. And when we end, you can let me know how many bonus points I got, how many frequent flyer miles, whatever you want to call them for running it back. Thank you for flying, running it back. Thank you for our listeners for flying the friendly skies. It's challenging times, Tarlin. Roe v. Wade was overturned yesterday by the Supreme Court. We're feeling very much for the women in our lives. It's a challenging time for them, uh, trying to empathize, trying to understand what's going on. In many ways, this brings me back to Title IX as much as the NBA draft was bringing me back there as well. During the NBA draft, several of the players were children of women who had played in the NCAA or had coached in the NCAA, had gone on to the WNBA. There is... An increasing awareness among some of us, it does feel like we are living in two different countries now, but there is an increasing awareness among some of us at how profound the impact of Title IX has been on women's sports, women's athletics, and really more the true promise of college athletics, which frequently isn't delivered through the sports feeder program that college sports frequently becomes. Let's take a moment, talk briefly about Title IX. I'll read the 37 words and then get your reaction. Title IX states, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal 
financial assistance on the basis of sex. I added that again for emphasis. Your thoughts on Title IX, where do you want to start? I mean, it's continued evolution of the Civil Rights Act. We need to call out Patty Mink, Democrat out of Hawaii, who was the first woman of color and Asian elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. She was the lead author for that title. Most people don't know it was really focused around education at the time. 42% of participants that are people in college were women, but most people think of it as being focused around sports. It's fascinating to think just back to my father who played in a small college in Ohio where he could only go to certain schools because there's only a certain number of black players allowed on teams. So seeing this and reading those words and spending time thinking about the first woman to get a scholarship, athletic scholarship, uh, the college was Ann Myers in 1976 mm -hmm. um, when she went to UCLA. She also was the first woman to play on a national team in high school and the first to sign an NBA contract. Now, she wasn't the first to get drafted. We know that Lucia Harris, who we love, anyone who has watched the Queen of Basketball documentary on Apple Plus, you must watch it. She was a baller. She was the first woman drafted, but this is the first woman to get a contract. None of this happens without Title IX and those 37 words. And that's why I link it to my father. I empathize with the female athlete in the same way I think my dad could have gone somewhere else if not for the limitations and the lack of access. Mm -hmm. So really the 50 year mark of Title IX, we're not only running it back to the 37 words, but it gives us an opportunity to run back and say, what, what ifs? Like we wouldn't have the Serena's, the Annika's, the Steffi, the Candace Parker's, the Sue Bird's, the Fierce Five, Venus's, Lisa Leslie's, Mia Hamm's, Jenny Finch's across the board in all sports without those 37 words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, although she wasn't directly impacted by Title IX, but Billie Jean King was prevalent in the same time period. The 1970s is also when the Equal Rights Amendment was on the verge of being passed. It does make me think now about amendments when you are understanding the level to which the Constitution is coming into play these days and what actually are enshrined rights that are protected versus those that can be revoked like what we've seen yesterday with Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court. It does make me think about this day and age. Brittany Griner, who is still in jail in Russia, she has been a proponent of transgender rights. It is a place where Title IX is on the basis of sex that does open up legal interpretation as far as what do you mean by sex? And that is another challenge that we're facing in the world of sports. You know, we look to sports to find lessons learned, but the other thing I think we've noticed a lot of late is that sports in many ways is a reflection of society. It's a microcosm of society and what happens in sports frequently trickles out into the rest of our lives. You just went through a nice list of female athletes who have made tremendous impacts. Are there any particular stories today that are easy to trace back to their roots in Title IX or their roots in the movements of the early 70s 
a couple of things. One, Title IX, similar to the um, decision yesterday, this doesn't come without controversy because if there's a benefit for females, most will see it as taking away from male athletes. Male athletes, you've seen in the last, at least the first 33 years post Title IX, 400 men's teams cut and mainly around wrestling, swimming, track, golf, rowing, and cross country. Some of that can point to the three-prong test tied to Title IX from this Office of Civil Rights, focused on how you create the balance and equity between men's and women's sports. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it focuses on the number of male and female athletes has to be substantially proportionate to the respective enrollment. There are two more prongs, but that one in particular, if you look at enrollment in college, mm -hmm. in 1972, as we said, female enrollment in college was 42%. 1980, 50-50, male, female. 1990, 91, 46% men, 54% women. 2000, 43, 57, 2018, 19, 43, 57. And then post COVID 60% female wow. on college campuses. Mm -hmm. So title nine, we're such in the early days. If you think about it, 1991 was the first time females competed in the world cup. So we're not that far. It's not like we're a hundred years beyond the statute and, and the impact and the ripple effect that it will have for a female athletes. But what a, a lot of conversations are about the loss for men and the loss for them to have an ability to compete and show their talents in college. Mm -hmm. uh, you ask what the impact, nothing happens without a continued fight. Nothing continues without, you know, Title IX also deals with sexual harassment, sexual discrimination. It's tied to that. There are multiple layers. You mentioned transgender sports that are tied to this one act, these 37 words. But what we're going to continue to see is, I think, an expansion, you know, WMA did its 25-year women's soccer is continuing to see expansion, she's continued expansion and an acceptance. I use that acceptance of women's sports in prime time. Right. You still can't find or discover women's sports easily. My daughter is a volleyball player, so she set her on her team. I challenge you to easily find the women's college volleyball tournament. And I mentioned that specifically because women's college volleyball players have the second most NIL dollars, name, image, and likeness. So it's obviously a sport that from an advertiser and a promotion perspective, there's value there. Yet it's not easy and women's sports still are in the mainstream. So mm -hmm. I mentioned that because there's still a long way to go. There's more teams in various campuses. If there are going to be cuts that are made and we saw a lot of cuts from COVID, men's sports are taking the ax sometimes ahead of women's sports, but we still see from a if participation perspective, it's higher, but let's take coaches. 58% of the teams are coached by men. So men are coaching women's sports while only 8% of women are, are the coaches for men's sports. So there's still a long way to go. And I'm not ever looking for the balance of 50, 50. It's just opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's why I drew a line to my father who was playing for a small school in Ohio. It's just the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's not 
an expectation that they get a, a role or the job, but just creating more opportunities. And that to me is what Title IX is about. And we're only in the, for me, the early days of continue to open up that opportunity set for women. Yeah. And it is a reminder, recent days that to your point, the fight doesn't end and understanding the longer term impact, something that began in 1972 is now still bearing fruit. The example from the draft that I was looking at was Jaden Ivey, who was drafted fifth overall Thursday night's NBA draft by the Pistons. Jaden's mother, Neil, is a former WNBA player herself who had stints with the Indiana Fever, Phoenix Mercury, and the Detroit Shock. The impact is borne out in real examples, real lives, just like your example. Not just women are impacted positively by Title IX and by the expansion of access. And then your point about college and higher ed enrollments for men versus women are really at an all-time shift towards women enrolling. There's actually a bit more of a crisis now around why aren't more young men going to college? What are they doing? What is the impact of the pandemic? And what can we do to help there? It is interesting to see how some of these tides have turned to the point that now maybe there's a problem with men and their perception of higher education, you know, young boys coming through high school, questioning whether college makes sense for them. You know, we don't want to talk too much about men on a Title IX episode, but we both are of that persuasion. What are your thoughts on the impact of things like Title IX for men? And do we have a crisis right now around the way men are choosing not to go to college? So Title IX, that's what I'm saying. The early narrative was that it, it is because it's giving opportunities to women, it's taken away from it. And so between 2002 and 2020, there've been 73,000 new participation opportunities for men in sports and college versus 67,000 new participation opportunities for women. So across all sports, opening up more access. So there isn't a ledger where, yes, there may be sports that you can call, unfortunately, more fringe sports because they do not, are not high revenue drivers, even though there's interest in them. That may hit the headlines because those sports are going away for men, but it's not like writ large, men are losing opportunities to play. I do know some friends who are coaches in sports in college may have a different narrative. At least that's the way some of the stats are bearing out. It's a more complicated question when you're asking about why the participation rate flipped, which used to be 58, 42 in 1972, men to women, now it's 60, 40. There are other macro issues that are causing the larger population of males to believe that college is not a path for opportunity. College is not a path for success. And that is something that we have to be tackling in the education system and the opportunities that we create for students. So some believe that the only path to winning is to go to a four-year, but we have to open up the opportunity set to say, there are other ways for you to take your first productive step post high school and, and win. So when you tie everything, you could tie the Title IX 
and the gains for women and then point to the reduction in enrollment in college for men and say, that's the cause and that's the mistake. Mm -hmm. That is a clickbait moment. That is having a conversation that lacks texture when there's so many other complicating factors that, that have contributed to a 20 year to 25 year decline in men going to college. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about Jane Ivey, it's so funny you have, and I'll talk about my Lakers for a minute, but Scotty Pippen's son, he went undrafted, but we picked him up on the Lakers. And you always like to say, if you're the son of an athlete, O'Neal, Sharif O'Neal is looking to get into the NBA, you have a higher likelihood to be able to play big time ball mm -hmm. when you grow up. Yeah. Funny story. I heard a story about the Matthews family, one of the longtime either linebackers or linemen in the pros. And one of them was coaching a youth league and got the parents together early and said, how many of you played high school sports? And some hands raised all proud. And how many of you played college? And maybe there was one. And how many of you played professional? Zero. So that's great. The likelihood of any of your sons playing in college is near zero. So let's just have some fun this year. Yeah. So seeing normally you point to the dads as having impact and you can trace the lineage to players who then go into the NBA and NFL. So it's awesome to see sons of dominant moms who were ballers in their time and got either the love of the game or their skills from their mom. Yeah. Hashtag boy moms. I know you're a hashtag girl dad, but I was impressed, you know, even outside of those whose moms and dads may have played in the NBA, you, know, you look at the relationship that Kevin Durant has with his mom or LeBron James has with his mom. That is a way, I think, to connect this back to the male side of the sports world. Beyond that, I was looking at some of the response. You know, we're recording this on Saturday. The Supreme Court decision about Roe v. Wade just came in yesterday. Already, we are seeing articles out there where folks like Megan Rapino, Billie Jean King, there's a joint statement between Adam Silver and the WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, that states that leagues believe that women should be able to make their own decisions concerning their health and future. And we believe that freedom should be protected. They go on to say that they advocate for gender health and equity. It's going to be a new conversation now about women athletes, even the, the college that they choose to attend if they're fortunate enough to play as professionals what state will they be playing in and what are the policies around reproductive rights in those states it is a challenging time it's a time where you've talked extensively on this show about the leadership role that women athletes and women's sports have played as activists put on your prognosticator hat. I know you like when I bring big words, looking ahead to the future, how do you see the activism and the leadership that we've seen from women's sports, women athletes, how do you see that playing forward now in light of this landmark decision, overturning Roe v. Wade, putting women's control over their own body, women's reproductive rights in the crosshairs across the country for the foreseeable future? Female athletes are going to continue to be the dominant voice and leaders in the next 25 years. What the U.S. women's national team in soccer did to bring equal pay 
at the same level as U.S. men's soccer team, the group that bravely went after Larry Nasser, Serena Williams, and prior to that, Billie Jean Williams' fight for equal pay. I think it's going to be just another massive galvanizing moment for women leadership. And part of the reason that there's so much tension is in a patriarchal society and male dominated society, we're white knuckling, trying to hold on to power that we know is slipping out of our hands. When you have 3.5 million girls now in high school as of 2018, 200,000 women athletes in college, you're just creating a massive movement that wasn't there today that will in the future be in the boardrooms, be CEOs, and be a collective force in a way that they weren't a collective in the past. There's a discrepancy in terms of spend around sports. There's a 23% increase or more spent on men's sports in college division one than in women's division two and three. It's less of a discrepancy. It's 8%. You're going to see that start to potentially go away. I mean, the highest revenue sports are still football and basketball, but you can still see a fight to equalize that. When you have Sedona Prince in 2021, University of Oregon during March Madness showing video of the women's weight room, which consisted of one rack of weights yeah. for the women to work out. And the men's weight room was literally like the Taj Mahal of weight rooms. Yeah, Pictures tell everything, video tell everything. And this is a collective voice and not all women are the same. I'm saying that, but I do think that unlike men, they are out front being very vocal and brave in terms of the way they fight for their standing. I was hoping that Becky Harmon, who is leading Las Vegas in a WNBA and already off to a great start, I was hoping that she would be the first female NBA coach, but that's coming. And 25 years from now, you never think that something get overturned like Roe v. Wade, you know, 1967, the anti-miscegenation state laws were deemed unconstitutional, which then legalized interracial marriage. Mm -hmm. Important for you and I, my wife's Chinese. Yeah. Your wife is? My wife is Guyanese. Yeah. But you can't think, I would never think of like 25 years from now, there's no one attacking my mind. I think it would be nuts to attack Title IX and try to repeal that. 1954, Brown versus the Board of Education. U.S. states establishing that racial segregation in public schools is unconstitutional. This is a poster that was in my family's house forever. Son of a lawyer, son of a teacher, something that was a monumental moment for my family. Could never think about that being taken away. So this is sort of the world I was swimming around post yesterday, knowing that we were doing Title IX, knowing the impact that's going forward, and then thinking about other things. What if they were taken away? Mm -hmm. I would never be married to my wife, and I would not have had been afforded the opportunities I had in, in education in the same way I've been able to progress. So, yeah. Out of the words of Justice Thomas, he was saying in future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergfell. Obergfell in particular is the one, you know, this is Pride Month. This is a place where gay marriage is something that became the law of the land. That is now really squarely in the crosshairs of this new activist Supreme Court. It's going to be a challenging time for all of us. It is a place where things that we just thought 
were progress. You know, the old Martin Luther King, the, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. The hope is that ultimately things continue to move towards a better country, a more equal, more equitable country. This decision recently flies right in the face of more progressive policy like Title IX, and it is one that I'm going to be watching, we're going to be watching what happens from the world of sports. Where will we see leadership? We're already seeing folks coming out. Interestingly, folks who had perhaps speaking engagements like Megan Rapino, who was already going to be speaking in Orlando about Pride Month. She was given an opportunity to talk to this and really folks are still in shock, you know, so apologies to our listeners if we don't have fully formed thoughts on all this stuff, you know, despite the fact that the Alito brief was leaked, the fact that this hit yesterday, it's a time where I'm very much feeling for women out there. And then also anyone who is looking for those legal protections provided by our court system, it feels much more tenuous now. The level to which folks are activated is something we'll be watching. And then the level to which the sports world in particular takes that leadership opportunity, uses the bully pulpit that they have. What should we expect now from Megan Rapino, from Sue Bird, you were mentioning before, from leaders like Serena, Naomi Osaka, we've talked about a bunch on the show. You mentioned the Larry Nasser uh, atrocity that did activate folks like Simone Biles, who are now now have access to a platform. You know, it's very personal to women. I can only empathize, but do you have any concluding thoughts now? I'd love to hear your concluding thoughts before we wrap. Yeah. So Laura Ingram told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. The powerful, successful women with an opportunity to have a platform are not going to shut up. And so we all people should listen. I am fully supportive of just opening up opportunities and then giving people a chance to take advantage of those. And that to me was what Title IX was about. It was extending opportunities to more folks. And it's hard for me to ever not be on the side of that. I will say, just want to give as was running it back to thinking through athletes that at least I had a chance to experience, especially as focused on college sports, or at least knew about just a shout out to Diana Taurasi, her balling out at UConn is why I, I still is one of the teams I follow in my ESPN app, just UConn and why I know about Paige Buckets and Ozzy Fudd, Mia Hamm. You know, to think that she lost a single one game in college and four national titles at University of North Carolina, a dominant soccer player. I watched Jenny Finch as a softball pitcher and would catch myself watching the college softball world series. And this, she was after Kate Osterman, who was dominant. And I now more recently watched a couple of clips on Jocelyn Allo, who is the all-time home run hitter in college sports and just won another title for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Huge shout out to Cheryl Miller, who I knew about before her brother, yeah. Reggie, because I was in LA and read the paper, the physical paper, when she had just scored 105 points in a game. Jackie Joyner-Kersey, who was out here in UCLA, once again, you say Homer, but basketball and track. And then last, I know she had a lot of controversy with Balco, 
but I still remember in high school driving out to a track meet to watch one Marion Jones as a sophomore dominate and see her as a dominant track athlete, then go and play point guard at the University of North Carolina before going back to track. Mm. So we wouldn't have these unbelievable moments, these women in sports who are just putting a poster on the wall for the next group of girls that are coming up. And so I appreciate uh, what they've done and I wanna spend time celebrating them and those athletes at this moment in Title IX it's hard not to think about what could get taken away, but I think that it's just a, the next, that this is a foundation and it's going to be an explosion of women's sports, women activism, and in particular, women leadership in the next 25 years. Yeah. We'll keep our eyes out. Let us know what you think. If you have other women athletes who have been impacted by Title IX, let us know. Hit us up at Running It Back FM on Twitter. We're Running It Back dot fm on the interweb subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your pods be on the lookout for more from us we'll be watching what happens as the blowback will kick off now after the supreme court decision hopefully our listeners are doing okay we are thinking of folks who are feeling a little shook we're a little shook ourselves but we're here and we're happy to have this platform. Hopefully we'll continue to use it to positive effect. Tarlin, thanks as always for joining in today's episode. Travel safe. That's right. And Delta, we're open to that sponsorship spot. I think Tarlin is ready to be an influencer. You heard it here first. Thanks folks for listening. We'll be back again soon.